0: Rewinding Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind.
1: The Law Report with Michael Mutsuening-Bill. Kaya FM
2: 95.9. Welcome to The Law Report with me, Michael Mutsuening-Bill. What are we talking about tonight? It's still youth month and uh, what we have been profiling for most part of the month is youth and how to, you know, profiling entrepreneurs that are doing well. And as part of that story... We want to talk tonight about funding. How do you raise funding? What are the different ways of, 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 of fundraising? How do you protect your IP? So the focus tonight is how to start to grow your business. That's the Law Report tonight. So as always, we do look forward to your calls.
1: Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Mitzuining-Bill.
2: All right. Thank you uh, to uh, Dr. Cindy Fonsell. She's back again tomorrow. Um, I'm joined um, in the studio by a number of guests who've, whom I'll introduce very shortly. But because the show is designed for you and we want to get your experiences, we want to help you. Because as you know, with the unemployment rates in South Africa, it is largely dependent on you and me to make sure that we create employment, we even create employment for ourselves. So that requires a a, a much sort of bigger requirement for entrepreneurship for creation for making things and for doing things and one can do things when one knows more so um, take full advantage of of all of my guests that are both that are joining us both on the line and in the studio to answer any of the questions um, that you might have regarding your business or your would-be business so let me introduce all of my guests I'm joined um, in the studio by Ms. Zama Bute- Butelezi, and she's from Spur Fisher. She's, a, uh, she's an attorney specializing in trademarks. Uh, uh, Mam Butelezi, uh, good evening, and thank you for joining us.
0: Good evening, and good evening to the listeners.
2: And uh, as well as Tamlin Joanadis, she is um, the CEO and founder of a company called Lash and Brow Bar. Thank you so much for joining us, Tamlin. It's
3: such a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
2: And also, uh, Mr. Sfiso uh, Mtsweni, uh, He is with the National Youth Development Agency, and he, he is the Executive Chairperson. Mr. Mtsweni, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having us. And on the line, I'm joined by uh, Ms. Uh, Ulewukhin. Ule- Ule- uh, Marai- Mar- I beg your pardon. Mr. Mara- uh, Ule- good evening, and thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thank you very much for
2: having me and good evening to your listeners. And finally, uh, Mr. John Oliphant, who is the executive um, director and chairperson of Third Way uh, Investment Group. Mr. Oliphant, thank you so much for joining us in the Law Report. Yeah, thank you
5: for the invitation and good evening to
2: your listeners. You know, we talk we talk a lot, and and and, and if you'll allow me, Mr. Oliphant, because I understand that you you gotta you know you, you gotta leave us you you know you have a limited time available, but. W- we talk a lot about different ways of raising funding, and, 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 and a lot of people are used to the conventional ways of raising funding, going to a bank and seeking finance. And, of course, those are quite important, and we're going to be talking to those issues. But you are in quite an interesting and new space, particularly in South Africa, a very young space of venture capitalism. Let's talk about what that is. What is venture capitalism?
5: Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll change the topic slightly mm. and maybe reflect on what we call Specs, which is a special purpose acquisition company. Um, in 2017, I've been quite fortunate enough with uh, colleagues of mine, we had an idea that. We wanted to get into the healthcare sector. Mm. Uh, we felt that you know there was an opportunity to create a play in healthcare sector where you know we can create a more affordable proposition. As you know, that you know in the healthcare sector we've got an overcrowded public sector and underutilized uh, private sector, and we felt that there was a gap in between. So it was an idea that we had, but we didn't have money. To, to implement our idea mm. so we, we decided to go the route of a, a special purpose acquisition company, which is a route that was created by the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, where it allows one to list an idea so you might you, you know you're not listing a company, you are listing an idea so we listed our spec in 2017. And we were able to raise uh, about 500 million on listing. And today, you know, we've got uh, hospitals, you know, across the country, and we're starting to penetrate the healthcare sector. Mm. Of course, it's not as easy as it sounds. I mean, there were serious challenges. Firstly, you know, we have been raising issues with the JSC to say that, you know, they need to create awareness about specs. But more importantly, the threshold of capital that is required from entrepreneurs to co-invest alongside a um, uh, um, uh, potential public shareholders. So in the case of a SPEC, we were required to put in 5% of our own capital. So in this context, it would have been 5% of the 500 million, which was 25 million, which is a lot of money mm-hmm. for any entrepreneur. So So you can either list on the main board or you can list on the what they call the alternative exchange Mm. where you are required to to have at least a minimum listing of 50 million so which means five percent of your own money would have been five percent of the of the fifty million, which probably is two and a half million, so I think the spec route it's it's, it's a good way of raising capital if you have an idea, but the big challenge remains that five percent requirement, you know. And I think the JSC was entertaining the idea of reducing the five percent, maybe mm-hmm. to a lower symbolic commitment because you know starting a business sometimes you don't have money at all yes you just have an idea that you would like to pursue so i would say that one of the ways that maybe you know as part of the your your show maybe you would need to explore that further to yes. see what what is required uh, or how, at least what can be done to ensure that entrepreneurs are also able to access uh, that form of the market
2: and, and 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 since you've raised it, I mean, let, let's talk about it. I mean, many of us would like the idea of having an idea, uh, you know, uh, which generates ultimately half a billion rands. Um, yeah. And 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 you, as you correctly put it, it, it sounds simple, but it, it it isn't that simple. First question about that. I mean, when you went to market, you didn't know, I assume, that you're going to raise half a half a billion. How much did you need to have? Because you don't know how the market is going to react, um, and and I'm just wondering how the five percent would have been worked out for somebody that's sitting at home and saying, well, that sounds like a good idea, and I'd like to try it. How do you know? Yeah. How do you, how is the five percent determined when the reaction of the market is unknown?
5: Yeah, I think at least on our side, we we had what what I'll call a deal pipeline. So we had an idea that we want to build an affordable healthcare alternative proposition. Mm. We also identified a few companies that we were going to uh, buy into into the spec mm. uh, and we knew how much capital we required to be able to, to, to execute on our strategy. So at least from day one, we knew that we needed to raise a minimum of 500 million. So the first step was to say how do we uh, gets our hands on 25 million, which is the 5% that is required from uh, from our own contribution. And I think that's where the NEF or IDC should be playing an active role to make that 5% contribution much easier. Sure. On our part, uh, we had to obviously rely on family, friends, and business relationships that we had built bonded our houses to try and get, you know, so it was almost like, I'll call it crowdfunding, mm-hmm. to try and get the 5% going, um, uh, because we believe so much in, in, in what we wanted to do. And and and, and if you look at what RH Bupilo, and I would suggest that maybe, you know, your audience can also go onto our website, which is www.rhbupilo.co.za and they will be able to see our story and our journey. So we yeah. actually started from nothing. It's zero employees. Today we've got multiple employees across our hospitals from Freiburg to Cape Town. And um, and we're starting to penetrate uh, the healthcare space and we believe we've geared ourselves for any possible uh, healthcare reforms that will be coming from government, the NHI and so on.
2: And, and, and you know, so I think the Afropolitans are quite familiar because my colleague, to uh, Mfopi. Uh, Profile the CEO of RH populo Mr. Quentin Zungu, on on yeah. the the amazing work that 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 has been done. And I think um, you know there's been uh, a few acquisitions of, of of hospitals. And I think the the last time I checked, they were sitting at something like 28 hospitals. A very big um, uh, accomplishment. But I think you, you know one of the things, and and this is the final question because you know I I, I want to use I want to exhaust my questions with you um in, 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 in the in the ten minutes that we have. One of the things that, that struck me and, and certainly would like to hear you talk to is then, you know, you are on the J C and you you're trying to list the spec, but how do you then convince, you know, how was that journey of trying to convince every single person that that contributed up to a point where you have um a half a billion rounds? Yeah. Look it it wasn't
5: uh, easy. Uh, I must be honest, but also it's uh, predominantly the type of institutions that we are targeting, where the black-owned asset managers, because we felt that they would potentially would have grown. You know, they would be coming from an environment where they didn't have medical aid, or they would have known a close family member that you know ended up in public service and not affording like uh, private sector, specialists. So there was an emotive element to it because Mm -hmm. people could relate to what you know what we were trying to achieve in terms of addressing the unaffordability of quality of uh, quality healthcare, but I mean, you know, we 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 traversed the whole country. We we went to all asset managers in Cape Town. We came to Joburg. Went to all asset managers, but the main focus was on on black asset managers, mm. and you know, and and there were one or two few entities that believed that we had what it took to pull it off, and. and they backed us, you know, and but I mean, you know, we would have. I mean, we felt that, you know, our story was good enough for us to even raise more than five hundred mm. million. But we were a bit disappointed, but at the same time, we we're a bit excited that at least it's better than zero. And um, so, so, so I think the the reality is that, you know, in South Africa, we've got a deep pool of uh, savings. So the overall savings industry, it's got. And You know, if you look at both contracted savings as well as voluntary savings, they add up to about eight trillion rands, right? Mm. But, you know, if we are going to solve the big problems that face our country, which is unemployment, high levels of unemployment and so on, we need to start questioning where is that pool of capital being invested. And I think it's important that that pool of capital get directed towards Investing in new opportunities that are likely to create jobs, but also at the same time generate sustainable returns for for people who are saving for pensions. You know, so that was our story. But mm-hmm. we think, you know, uh, uh, you know, at least we've opened the doors for those that are coming behind us. Maybe it might be easier for them. Uh, but also, our platform, especially in the healthcare space, we've set it up in a way that allows us. To use the money that we raise to to invest in other entrepreneurs in the healthcare sector that are coming behind us. So, in other words, we did the hard work. So, if there's an entrepreneur that comes now and says to us at R.H. I have this idea that is going to disrupt healthcare, or I have this idea, um, I mean, I'm just using, I mean, the big thing that sure. it's talking about in town is cannabis, isn't it? So, if people come and say, I've got this a byproduct of cannabis that can cure cancer or whatever and it's been tested you know we believe that we will be in the right space to entertain that idea and potentially put in capital so we ourselves have become a, a source of capital for entrepreneurs in the
2: healthcare sector it sounds like we need uh, a lot more time than we've allocated, but let's, let, let's hold it there. But thank you so much for, for joining us. That's uh, Mr. John Oliphant, um, Executive Director at Third Way Investment Group, which uh, also um, uh, the chairman of RH Popello, which is a, a listed company. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll make more time. But if you've just tuned in, we're talking to entrepreneurs and about entrepreneurs, but we're also focusing on the manner in which one can raise funding um, when you know when you want to start a business or grow your business. And another entrepreneur that, that I'm talking to is Tamlin Joanidis, and she's the founder of Lash & Brow. Um, Tamlin, perhaps just tell us a little bit about your company and uh, um, where you've started and where you are now.
3: Thank you. So I started Lash & Brow Bar approximately 12 years ago. It was a small idea that I had. I was a one-man show. I worked from home for the first three years. The the more I grew and the more clients that I got, I obviously ascertained that I would like to be able to expand. And that was quite a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. My first employee that I hired was exceptionally easy, actually a lot easier than what I thought it was. But when you move from a home environment into something more professional and into a spa, that's where it becomes quite difficult if you do not have the funding. So, yeah. I was at that position where I didn't have the funding and we had to, I tried approaching the banks and they wanted a business plan. I did the business plan, they then wanted to know what were my projections that I could foresee us doing. And because it was a very foreign concept, lashes 12 years ago, it wasn't something that I could actually be honest with them and give them any predictions because lashes was not really explored 12 years ago so for me it was incredibly difficult then um, I was able to put together my savings and I borrowed money from friends and family to obviously get a very small salon going and And where was
2: your first salon when you first moved out of your your
3: home we rented a cottage um, of a big property in Brinston so Mm. it was very humble beginnings it was um, not the prettiest location I had found but we turned it into being something really spectacular for what we had the budget for and for me I I just knew it was going to work so we only had two therapy rooms we had the space was a lot bigger than that but we couldn't afford to set it up so we traded and we built our clients and the more money we made then we would have the third room decorated and then we hired a third therapist and we, we had to build our business slowly so mm. funding for us was not easy at all. And I look at a lot of my students and we we have Lash and Brow Bar, but I also have a training facility called Ideology. So we train um, people in the industry. We also, and th- often the questions to me are, well, how did you do it? Mm. How how can they set their businesses up? How Where do you get funding from? What is the best way of doing it?
2: What was, what? how did you get to, to a position where you know you you can be bullish about your growth ambitions
3: so i had four therapists and we were doing really well mm-hmm. it was we had established ourselves we weren't doing exceptionally well but it was it was I was happy with the growth trajectory that I had and we had um, a family friend who is exceptionally successful and he he had volunteered he had seen my ambition he had seen how excited I was to expand um, we 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 trying to employ as many people as possible especially with our economic climates. and we were just meeting so many fantastic people but again finances to take that next step to grow even further was again difficult so mm. he had um, very generously offered to join my business and he is he's been my business mentor for ages he's an exceptional human being and i was very blessed that he he did see my vision and he he did invest and now we have a really beautiful property in Bryanston and it's massive which is our flagship store but mm. to get from home to a small shop and that's relatively easy, but to, to take it onto a different level where we're growing now and opening 30 branches over the next couple of years, that's a whole different level. And, yeah. and to get to that, that was, it was like deja vu of when I first started. So I went to the bank and now I had four therapists and we were doing relatively well. And then all the questions came, where is your balance sheet? What is your savings? And in what the bank doesn't see, they literally just see the bottom line. Yeah. They don't see your vision. They don't see your ambition. They don't see anything.
2: Yeah. So what worked for uh, Lash & Brow is funding from a friend. Absolutely. And, and and that's that's an interesting thing because that's pretty much what um, uh, Mr. John Oliphant said as well, where he was talking about having to raise this initial 25, uh, 25 million rands Correct. that had to be sourced from friends and they bonded property. So it's quite interesting how, you know, every book on business that you read, there was a friend somewhere, there was there was Correct. some kind of a push, you know, like, that there's a saying that says every eagle needs a push. Um, and, 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 and it's interesting how two entrepreneurs that we're profiling now have almost a similar story, but that's not the end. When we come back from the break, we're gonna be talking to the National Youth Development Agency as well as the National Empowerment Fund, and just talking about other ways to raise funding other than through friends and other than um, going the JSE uh, route, which no doubt is, is very involved and quite expensive in and of itself as a process. We're back after this.
1: The Law Report with Michael Matuining
2: Bell Kaya FM, 95.9. Welcome back. We continue our discussion talking about businesses, how you can fund them, how you can grow them, and how you can start them. And, and of course, as always, we're looking forward to your calls. If you want to get some tips, some ideas, some help trying to raise funding for your business, do give us a call. The number to dial 086 000, uh, uh, 0000959. That's the number to dial. And, as always, you can always... Uh, Tweet me, I'm at Matanning Bill, that's my Twitter handle. Let me turn now to the Executive Chairperson of the National Youth Development Agency. Let's talk a little bit about perhaps your mandate and and what your agency um, seeks to do. Yes, well uh, good evening and uh, thank you once
6: again for having us. Um, You'd remember that the NYDA was launched in 2009. Mm before that, uh, it was a merger of two institutions. Um, one institution being the National Youth Commission, uh, which largely played a role in terms of mainstreaming youth development in government, uh, developing youth policy, and really advising government on how to ensure that all departments uh, are aligned to uh, whatever new youth needs that are out there. Mm. But the, the second one was what was called umsobomvu Youth Fund. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, umsobomvu uh, existed purely to assist youth-owned, you know, intrapre- or youth entrepreneurs um, mm. or youth-owned initiatives. So the two came together because there was a bit of an outcry um, that, look, uh, youth development needs to be one-stop shop um, because when you look at what we call development we talk about stages of growth or stages of development and uh, you 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 track it from education all the way to economic participation Uh, whether it be through job creation job placement or through entrepreneurship so we have a very vibrant model of uh, youth entrepreneurship. Um, we offer, you know, training. Um, we offer mentorship. Um, I'm quite impressed, actually, as I'm listening to my colleagues here speak, and at the back of my mind, I'm thinking, here are brand new mentors for me because uh, <laughs> what, we, what we do, we, we actually recruit, you know, people who have been in business who've gone through the the challenges. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we then take entrepreneurs. Um, we, our type of funding is not like, um, you know, any other institution where they give loans and all sorts of things. No. We, we we give out grants um, to young people, uh, but but we focus mostly on your very small, micro type of businesses. Sure. Uh, because we think that a lot of support uh, is not really focused there. Uh, mm. So here I'm talking about,
2: you know... You're talking pe- about timeline when she had no yeah. balance sheet no projections <laughs> when, she has,
6: when she had absolutely nothing but an idea yeah to say look uh this is what i want to do
2: mm-hmm.
6: um but but i don't have i don't know where to go mm-hmm. uh, so when you come through uh you apply um you you we've got what we call business development officers mm-hmm. uh, or business advisors uh that will actually explore your idea if uh, uh, do a bit of feasibility studies uh, do you know a bit of as she said she did not even know how to do projections at that time yeah um so so we we look into those things uh we take entrepreneurs through a rigorous training process um, because uh, sometimes an idea alone is not is not sufficient Uh, Mm. you need to understand what is it that you're going to do you need to understand the industry you need to have a proper appreciation of competitor analysis and all those particular things so we are able to take young people through that package uh, but as i said i mean w- my, my definition of an entrepreneur by the way um, is a person that not only has an idea but is a person that is able to actually suffer for that particular idea work hard for that particular idea and i always make an example that you know here in gauteng every morning when you wake up if you go to street corners you always find those young people with feather dusters you know uh, selling all sorts of things there if you go into train stations there's young people without fail every day to me those are entrepreneurs Uh, those are young people that without whether whether they've made a profit or a loss they there every day so we, we we also recruit those young people um we take them through our processes and then we give them a grant funding now what this grant funding does uh, for instance, if I were to deal with uh, uh, my colleague here is that would we'll then say, here, here's a cottage that you have uh, uh, and you're trying to run this spa. So let, let's get the material that you need. So mm. let, let, let's get the, the, the equipment, the bed, whatever it is, the towels, whatever, so that you are able to input into the business. Uh, what Umsobov used to do was to give people money into their pockets. Yeah. So the problem is that sometimes people, when they don't have jobs they start to think that they're business people so when you give them money they take the money and put it in their pockets and yes. their businesses die mm-hmm. so our model has actually does have 68 success rate sure now if you look at idc look and at how do you in- measure
2: how do you measure 68 so is, is that what you're saying where we've funded x and he said he's going to do this and we've gone out and we've monitored and he's actually attained his his ambitions or his targets well well what we do Uh, research that that we've done has shown us that
6: a lot of SMMEs fail within the first three years Mm. Uh, largely the reason why SMMEs fail within the first three years is that those who have gone for loans Mm. they spend their first three years actually servicing that particular loan instead of actually growing that business of course but secondly it's because of uh, a lot of entrepreneurs have not done sufficient research in terms of the type of business that they want to do so what we do we give you funding Every three years we come back uh, Mm. and say, are you still existing, you know, uh, is your business still running? Are you employing people? Are you not employing people? Because at the end of the day, we are a government agency. Uh, Our our interest is to ensure that we support entrepreneurs that will create jobs. So for me, I want jobs for the youth.
2: So let me get it right. So I come to you because I want training in, in business and and an afropolitan you can also ask your own questions that don't just rely on me because i'm not completely reliable uh, or my interest might be different to yours so so express your interest by giving us a call 086 double zero double zero nine five nine. i come to you i want mentorship i want training yeah and i want funding yeah those are the three things
6: those are the three things uh, we also have what we call and aftercare, so so that that's the point that I'm quite uh, I'm actually raising. Yeah. That. So
2: that, that what you do after. After. All right. We'll, yeah. we'll 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 talk some more about that. But let me um, uh, bring in um, the the other guest, and she is a senior investment associate at the Na- National Empower Fund. That's a uh, empowerment fund. That's Miss Olegwen Marakalla. Marakalla. Memorak Marakalla legai.
4: Um
2: NEF, who is that and what do you guys do, what's your mandate?
4: Okay, so the National Empowerment Fund is a development finance institution. Um, We are an agency of the DTI and we are basically mandated to grow broad-based black economic empowerment um effectively what that means is that we essentially fund businesses that are majority black owned so anything 50.1 um, percent and above um those are the businesses that we fund um we fund businesses across all sectors of the economy um and our funding starts from as little as two hundred and fifty thousand um up to a maximum of 75 million um, we provide both financial and non-financial support um, to businesses that we would have funded um, but we also are instrumental in promoting a culture of savings and investments amongst black um, people through some of the Invest Education seminars that we've hosted across the country. Um, with regards to the non-financial support, it's twofold. So um, we wouldn't just provide support to businesses that like we've just funded, but we also do assist businesses that are actually looking to, um, you know, get access to funding um, through the NEF. So we get a lot of inquiries, and you find that some people will submit or come and inquire, but they don't know how to put together a business plan um we do offer that assistance one through an incubation process but also we have a um, a business planner tool that does take someone through the process of putting together a business plan um one of the other um, non-financial support that we would offer is then through um, our post investment and that is where we've actually invested in a business and we then provide that business with um you know support so we obviously would track the performance of the business through the investment period um, that, they, that the NEF would be invested in that business, um, and ultimately, what we aim to achieve with that is to ensure that the businesses are sustainable even beyond the NEF funding. So you know, during that period, when we invested where we do identify certain weaknesses in the business, um, we would assist through our mentorship program um, where we would then deploy um, specialists to come in and diagnose where the issues might be and look to assist with putting in um, you know. Solutions to assist the business to become sustainable. Um, in terms of our financial support um, that I indicated earlier that we fund across all sectors, and we um, fund businesses that um, at startup phase, so you have a business idea, um, you think it's viable, you're looking for funding, we can look to um, fund you for that. We find businesses that um, are in existence and are looking to grow the business. Um, And we also find um, individuals, entities or consortiums that might have identified an entity that they feel... Um You know they would like to acquire shares into that business. We do support um, such initiatives. We provide franchise financing as well um, procurement financing where maybe someone might have been awarded a contract and they're looking to deliver on that contract, but they don't have sufficient working capital or capEx to be able to deliver on that. We also um, have um, our SPF uh, strategic projects fund. Where we do provide venture capital funds to um, projects that are still at um, early stages. So this would be, for example, where you have an idea but it hasn't been tested in the market. We would assist with feasibility studies um, to assess whether the, the, you know, there's a, an uptake of your concept in the market. And if it passes that stage, we would then assist in terms of um, bankable feasibility um, studies to then see how you could then, um, you know, secure a market to be able to then um, start your business and operate. And then we would. Say take it to bank uh, financial close stage. So um, those are, in a nutshell, the the, the, the the products that we would fund. I mean, our main criteria that we obviously look to is, one, the business must be majority black owned. Um, the B sponsors being the, the black shareholders that we would, we would be supporting must be um, operationally involved in the business. It must obviously be commercially viable because unfortunately um, the NEF does not provide grant funding. Um, we do provide loans, but I think we do um, understand that there are some instances where we might need to provide an instrument or structure the funding um, by providing an instrument that is more relaxed. So we would basically link the repayment of um, that instrument to the availability of cash flows that would have been generated by that business. So well, what,
2: One thing that as as you speak, uh, I'm quite curious about, uh, you know, mm. yourself perhaps compared to a commercial lender, um, yeah. you know, we know. The first thing that a commercial lender would say to you is, "What's my security?" And and as you speak, I, I you know I'm I'm curious to, to to know what do you require from me from a security point of view as an entrepreneur coming to you um, for funding and and how you know should is that an obstacle that I should consider before coming to you because you know an idea is is one thing but you know are you looking at whether I can back it up?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, the NEF does exist to address market failures um, such as that in that, you know, a lot of your black SMEs would not have um, the security to be able to back the funding that they would be raising. Yeah. So we realize that and we um, appreciate that as the National Empowerment Fund. Obviously, we would want to be protected to some extent, but I think the thing that we place reliance on um, more than anything is the business concept that you have and your ability to be able to demonstrate that it is a commercially viable um, business concept. Um, we also look at um, one of the things that we assess when we, um, you know, or go through a transaction is look at the entrepreneurial assessment. So we also look to find people that are strong, that understand the business, that um, you know are able to take this business to the next level and have a passion for what they do and um, um, because eventually we're back in the jockey we are back in the person behind the, the, the business yeah. you know you might you could have people as uh, someone that has a, um, a very strong business concept but if you are not able to implement and deliver on it then it's as good as nothing so I think for us we look at um, those elements yes we do take security but in most instances we do find that we will never be able to get a um, you know, secure um, the assets a hundred percent. But I think what we appreciate and what we look
2: to is to be able to, um, to 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 believe in the project and the concept, and that the business is able to repay the English. Sure. Let me bring in uh, Ms. Zama Butelezi, and uh, she's from Spurn Fisher, which is a law firm, um, and and she specialises in, in trademarks law. One of the concerns, and, and I can imagine a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs at home sitting there and thinking, "Yeah, I have this idea." But I'm worried that somebody's going to copy it. Somebody's going to take it away from me. And it's, it's of course a legitimate concern to have. Yes. Um, how do I protect myself and my idea as an entrepreneur?
0: Mm. So um, basically ideas are very difficult to protect. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been a number of instances where people would approach us with those questions. And essentially um, the best way to protect your idea is to get the person who is receiving the idea to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Mm -hmm. Um, That has its own problems, um, of course, you know, enforcement and will the person sign it. Mm -hmm. Um, But essentially the the best thing to do is really to get a non-disclosure agreement because the idea in itself is is not protectable mm. as such um but it's really how the idea mate- materializes mm, you know mm, then mm. um then we have something tangible that's in material but we're, we're, at
2: what point does it materialize because i'm sure you know um it, I, I guess it is so that ideas are varied they're different um and and i'm just trying to wonder if for any particular business it's in i've, I've articulated it In a business plan step by step yes but i haven't quite gone to market so when when do i know when it's capable of time? yeah
0: yes okay so you know at different stages of of getting your product or service out there you will have perhaps different forms of intellectual property that you could utilize um so Mm. when you have a business plan you know technically that that has copyright protection in it um because it's it's something that's in writing you know um so technically you do have copyrights in that but mm. remember in the copyrights now you don't actually have rights to the idea you have rights to basically the compilation and um
2: yeah so it means somebody it, but but copyright only means that somebody can't reproduce your business plan but they can implement it.
0: Absolutely. So that, the thing that about that ideas, it, 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 they are free for all um, essentially. And, yeah. and I think about it this way. Imagine a world where ideas you know you couldn't take someone else's idea it means there'd be no competition right which um is also something that so we wouldn't have
2: huawei or or samsung thank you because no one could
0: now steal (laughs) thank you exactly so um the whole point of (laughs) (laughs) the whole point of intellectual property is um really to try and get people to be creative Mm. you know um so that they can you know, earn some money, yeah you know, just to put it in layman's terms, all right,
2: let's take a call, and when we come back, we'll be taking more of your calls on o eight six double zero double zero nine five nine gabelo from Alberton. Good evening, and thank you for calling
1: um hi, thank you so much for the opportunity you're welcome <laughs> yes, um my question is really directed uh, to the e f uh but what I want to ask is that would you guys fund something like um if I have an idea to start or to build a res, a student raise, mm-hmm. but I don't really have land or anything, um, would you guys fund it from the bottom till the end? Is it something that you guys would do? Well, well,
2: I, th- I think be be a little bit specific, and and all right. So you you just asking whether you know can can you just rock up with just an idea to have a raise? And say, well, this, you know, it, you, it, your question appears too plain, and I, and I, and I'm not sure if you'll get the right the answer you're looking for. Do you want to maybe z- zone or zone into your question and be more specific? Okay, all right. So
1: I have an idea to um, to to, to Boulder is mm-hmm. right. Uh, let's say um, Student accommodation. 20 to 40 students. Yeah, um, it can either be in the or in Soweto. Yeah. Um, so what I'm looking at doing is that. To buy um, a four-room house somewhere closer to, let's say, UJ Soweto yeah. and demolish it and build something state-of-the-art that can accommodate those students and mm-hmm. look to have a deal with Nashville. Um And then I can get the payments directly from them. But I don't really have um, land or the house itself. I got you. So, All right. where do I go? Yeah, I just have the idea. Okay,
2: I... let's see. Let's see if yeah. if um, if if my guest can can uh, sort of deal with your questions, uh, Ms. Mar- Maragalla.
4: Yes, we actually have funded um, a few student accommodation projects, um, both in housing and outside the, the, the province. Um, we funded a few projects, um, you know, where we were funding um, either construction of a uh, student accommodation or where someone has identified a building and they want to then renovate it and partition it in, um, you know, to meet the requirements of the university to be able to then um, establish the student's accommodation. So yes, that is definitely something that we
2: would look to fund. All right, Gabel, I hope that helps you. Uh, we're gonna take a break and when we come back, we continue our discussion talking about entrepreneurship, talking about how you can raise funding. We're back after this. Know your rights, know the law. The Law Report with Michael Mitsui bill 16 minutes before nine o'clock, we continue our discussion talking about entrepreneurship and focusing especially on funding your business, how to start it, how to grow it, how to get support to help you get to where you need to be. And joining me in the studio, are Mr. Sfiso he's the NIDA, or National Youth Development Agency Executive Chairperson. Uh, Zamab Tele is representing Spurn Fisher, she's an attorney. As well as um, uh, from the NEF, uh, Ms. Ole Marakala, and finally, Tamlin Jonidis. am I right? That's it? Yes, <laughs> all right. A bit of a tongue twister there, but I but I, I think I, I, I survived. Um, we talked about some of the growing pains that you've had to endure as you grow you've got a brand it's called lash and brow but as you grow from the cottage it becomes a brand how did you work about protecting it and how do you intend to protect it in the future as you say that you're looking at having an additional 30 branches of this how do you make sure that you get to be lash and brow or the lash and brow
3: So, that's a great question. When I started my business, my IP was not really anything that I focused on. I had a name that I loved. I thought it sounded quite quirky and quite catchy and... It was only till literally a decade later that I actually found myself in a situation where I I had to take it quite seriously. We had a situation where there was a company that opened up with the exact same name as us. It just had a slight twist at the end, which was very minimal. It actually just looked like they were a derivative in another branch of ours. Mm -hmm. So we had multiple phone calls and our Pretoria clients and ours. Centurion clients and our Midran clients and all of those clients further out that side were super excited that we had apparently opened another branch mm-hmm. and that put us into a tricky situation because we we hadn't opened and that wasn't us and we had lost a lot of clients to that specific location because they thought it was us um, it was also quite hard for us because when we phoned them I, I didn't quite know what to do so I, I, I'd googled them, I'd phoned them, I'd try to find the owner and it was kind of blown off Mm -hmm. and for me I'd spent 10 years building a brand which at that point we were actually quite well known and I phoned a friend who was an attorney and she recommended that I get hold of Spoon Fisher which I'm so grateful that I did Mm -hmm. and that was the first time that I actually even got to know about um Trademarks and how important they are and everything else that goes with it. So mm-hmm. they ended up defending me against that case and um, we've had multiple other cases of, of very similar concepts opening up or, or they'd also been quite long-standing but some of them had maybe had really bad reputations. So because they thought we were part of it, it also became quite a tricky thing.
2: I, I mean, Zamab uh, Telezi, uh, you, you you the attorney that would have been at the forefront of, of this battle. It seems like a very difficult thing because... 12 years ago when the business started, there is no IP Mm. protection. Isn't it a free-for-all? If you haven't, you know, um, protected it and registered the trademark, is it not a free-for-all where somebody can say, yeah, I'm Lash and Brow too?
0: Um, So, basically, in Tamlin's case, um, she had been using the trademark. Mm -hmm. um, She just had not formally protected it uh, right. by way of registering the trademark so essentially she had what we call common law rights mm. um you know but i mean common law rights have their own stress but, but, but
2: then who you know how do, how does a court determine it is it you know i came up with the name first
0: um so with common so yes first to use is, is very important mm-hmm. and and basically showing that you've you know acquired a reputation etc which would be done through, you know, proof of, you know, your advertising expenditures and 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 your sales mm. figures and things like that. So that is quite important. But um, the the one thing mm. about actually registering your trademarks is that you can sort of rely on that certificate of registration as opposed to going through the hurdle
2: of of, of, of common law. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Mr. McFadyen, you wanted to talk about what you. Call the aftercare so i come to you i go through your um, incubation i'll call it that you ultimately give me a grant and now you want to check up on me what does that entail well it's it's not uh, checking up on you like big brother (laughs) but
6: uh, as i as i said there's a there's a great deal of hand holding yeah uh through mentorship Mm -hmm. um but i think uh after three years uh, what we are interested in is to see if if you surviving uh, should we do some more um, is there any other interventions that can be made for instance uh, you know as I said we, we target very small micro uh, businesses. And, w- and
2: what is that I mean from the NEF's point yeah. of view it's from 250,000 rents so to they 75 pick up from million. where we live all right so you yeah. you so at at two fifty.
6: we take them right there uh, and then if they need to expand yeah and, and, and become bigger mm. at least there's there's a bit of a rapport. so what,
2: what would you be sort of what's your minimum so i'm assuming your maximum is 250 it's 250 yes mm-hmm. well our, our minimum is
6: anything it's it,
2: we, we we're moving from zero to 250. yeah there's a there's a reason why we're starting
6: right there as yeah, yeah. i said if if a young person who's who's a retailer um or, or who's selling fruits and veg yeah wants five thousand for stock Mm. that that is a monumental impact on that particular business because uh, you're taking away a particular cost, they're able to buy stock. Out of that, they're able to grow. Spot on. Um, so wh- when they reach the point where they can go to NEF, IDC, there's already a rapport. The business has been in existence for three years, for four years. It's been able to jump that cliff. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and the entrepreneur is able to understand the industry better and they're able to utilize whatever funding that they're able to get beyond that. But but wh- what, we've, what we've come to realize... Is that most of these guys after three years four years later they're actually self-sufficient they're self-sustainable
2: and uh, that's your 68 percent.
6: yes yes that's mm. precisely the point uh, most of them they're actually very 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 much successful uh, yeah uh, what we do i mean at the end of the show I'll probably give you some some areas where you can look at where mm. we actually profile you know their success stories uh, every time that they image yeah and in a few weeks time actually we're gonna have what we call a a Buy Youth initiative. So, on one day, we're going to call out all youth entrepreneurs across the country. Uh, We're going to set up stalls in all nine provinces. And we're going to say to South Africans, go and buy from youth-owned uh, enterprises, because also we need to conscientize society. Sometimes, when people look at youth-owned businesses, they don't trust them. Uh, they usually want to go to the, you know, more established, uh, you know, yeah. institution. Especially in your textile industry, we've um, got a lot of young people that are actually designing, doing clothes, doing all sorts of things. Uh, my sister here is doing a spa, but if it's not a, a an, an accomplished and well-known, people usually pass it. And and mm-hmm. and what we need now is to encourage our society to support youth-owned businesses because what makes them fail is not necessarily because they don't know how to make it work. It's simply because the market just doesn't... doesn't absorb trust it. them. Yes. So mm. I think we need to reach that point where where our market actually trusts youth-owned businesses. And in that way, we wouldn't even be talking about the need for funding. We'll just simply be supporting those businesses to actually be sustainable.
2: Let's talk perhaps to, to the NEF. And, and, and one of the things that always comes out when you talk to funders is you need a business plan, but it just seems overly simplistic. A few tips for us who might wanna approach an institution like the NEF to say, you know, a, a business plan I'm assuming, you know, can be generated with, with relative ease, depending, it's obviously not um, universal, but it, yeah. it, it seems too simple an obstacle. What are, what are some of the tips that I should be working on to make sure that I stand a good chance to, to get funding?
4: So, I mean when we request a business plan we're essentially looking to understand what your business model is is all about right because we want to assess for um, commercial viability like I highlighted earlier yeah so it's very important that you um, unpack and highlight all the aspects of your business so we would look to see um, in terms of your your market who your customers are um, that you you know you currently supply or if it's a new if it's a startup who your targeted um, customers are and um, we would also look to, to um to see whether you've outlined what your, your, your strategy is your marketing and sales strategy in terms of being able to then um, access or to attract those customers to, to you know to buy or um utilize your services. So that's very important. Um, but also if you provide a service in terms uh, or, or rather a product and you need to deliver product to your customers, um, you know there's also the element of supply in order to be able to produce the product. Um, we would want to understand where you source your raw material material where you source your 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 supplies in Mm -hmm. general um we also just need to understand in general just you know the industry within which you you would operate because that will talk to things like competitors um you would then in your business plan highlight what your competitive advantage would be over you know the existing or um competitors within the industry um, we would look to understand then the rationale for the funding that's required because that gets missed a lot. Um, you know, sometimes you read the business plan, it's great, but we still miss the the need. What is it that you really um require funding for. So we always always just detail um request that people detail that as well in the in the business plan. But the business plan essentially is just for the next person who's reading it to be able to understand entirely your business operations. We also look at um, you know, your your, your HR structural how many jobs you'd be looking to to create through, um, you know, this, your business. Mm-hmm. Because that's one of the things that we are also um, passionate about is that we, we, we want to create jobs within um, the economy. So you would have to highlight the number of jobs that will be created, the roles that will be played um, by, you know, the individuals within the, that role. But also, I think from a management perspective, we also look to assess your management team because those would be instrumental in driving, um, you know, your business strategy. Mm-hmm. So we also look that um, you know, you would have to at least highlight who your key management um, is and their profiles. Um, we would also request such things as supplementary um, information like the CVs. Um, yeah, so in a nutshell, I think it, 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 just to 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 summarise it is essentially that you're able to paint a picture of your entire business model. Um, so that we are able to...
2: Before I run out of time, and I'm, and I'm sorry to cut you short, you spoke about an incubation. So what does, you know, I'm, I'm assuming with an incubation, I don't have to come with the greatest business plan. I just need to sort of, you know, I don't know. What what would the criteria be for me to be part of your incub- incubation?
4: Um, so... So the NES, we partner with um, so with partners that offer that incubation. but it's essentially that you've got a business idea, yeah. um, and you literally are you know you lacking in terms of being able to to put together a business plan and to sell your idea to to a funder. But the, the idea is there; it's great. So they basically assist you um, in that regard to be able to package your, your your you know your business idea into something that a, a funder would be able to to look at it and say um, you know it's something that we are. Able to fund or not. So there isn't, I wouldn't say that there's a specific um, requirement to intend it, but I think you certainly must know what it is that you're looking to, to do what your business idea is and be able to talk to it. All
2: right. Um, I want to get funding or I want to be trained or mentored by NEF. How do I get hold of you?
4: So, um, okay, so the NEF has um, offices, regional offices in all nine provinces, Mm -hmm. Um, but we also, through our um, pre-investment unit, we have product advisors and we do accept walk-ins. So if someone has um, an inquiry, Um, you know and want to just understand what it is that the NEF um, does and how we can assist. There are walk-ins but we do also encourage people to do also call our um, call center Mm -hmm. um, to be able to then get a bit of information so our our number our general number is 011 305 8000 and they'll be able to be put through to a product advisor through pre-investment
2: unit all right that's 011 305 8000 for the number for the nef but of course you can always check out their website and and how do i get hold of the national youth development agency if i want to explore some of the the great offerings that you have
6: well we we've got branches across uh, all nine provinces Mm -hmm. um so, our, our branches are district-based, so all 54 districts uh, in our country, um, we've got a toll-free number, it's 0800 525252, 52 52. Uh, we're available on all social media platforms, Facebook, National Youth Development Agency, Twitter, at NYDARSA. Um, we also have a mobile app, so we, we are a youth institution, um, young people are on social media, so you are able to download the NYDA right on your fingertips, so we've made accessible quite, uh,
2: accessibility quite easy. Tamlin, you want to start, th- you want to get 30 more stores. Correct. And you've indicated offline that in the next seven years, that's the projection. How do you intend to do this? Are you going to be franchising? Because just last week we we're having a discussion and the attorneys were talking about franchising as a, as a model. And I'm just curious to understand how you intend to grow, you know, which model you're going to be using to grow, because I'm assuming, you know, you'd be concerned about who runs all of these things unless, you know, how, how do you intend to sort of, I mean, 30 is a big number.
3: It is a big number. Mm. So I know how hard I've had to work to get to where I'm at. And Mm. for me, the way that my staff are therapists, I see them as being entrepreneurs within my business. Right. They build their own brand. They are their own people. The clients get to specifically choose that they want to go to that specific therapist. Mm. So I'm trying to be able to promote. And we've created, um, as part of our training facility, we're trying to register with CETA and get all our accreditations done through them. So we're able to try and upskill ladies that don't have qualifications at the moment yeah my staff that do have the skills we're trying to upskill them to be able to eventually become the managers and run stores so i do not want a franchise we prefer right. to self-own i feel the quality remains and i think we give more ladies opportunities to be able to actually have their own so you businesses.
2: creating you creating skill correct and, and and that is super amazing thank you so much to all of my guests the uh, uh, Ms. zammab thank you so much for joining us and, and certainly enlightening us on the, on the issue of, of, of trademark. Uh, and to you as well, uh, Tamlin, thank you so much. It's such a
3: pleasure. Thank you.
2: Zfiso uh, Mtsweni, Chair, uh, Chairperson, Executive Chairperson of NIDA. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. As well as uh, to you, uh, Ms. Ulebu uh, Marakalla. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank
1: you very
2: much. I, 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 I do get a sense that, that there's so much to talk about. Because, it, you know, there's all of these funding mechanisms that are available, you know, um, and I, I wonder whether South Africans use them enough, you know, do we, I mean, Mr. McTain, do, do people exhaust your budget, you indicated that you got something almost close to half a billion rands in your budget, do, 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 do well, the youth, that's, uh, that's uh, that's do, they, do the youth.
6: That's too small. I yeah, always say.
2: But but yeah. But 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 do they finish it? Do do they get to the point it, where it gets
6: finished within six months? Okay. Uh, so it's, it's 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 very small.
2: All right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I'm not Cyril, by the president. I'm not.
6: I'm you not. You, not you the listens, uh, <laughs> he's probably on a blue like this. So president, increase the money. It's too small. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's the law report. Um, um, thank you so much. I trust that you've been enlightened and, and, and I certainly encourage you to take the courage, take the leap. I mean, um, lovely stories about successful businesses that have grown. The struggle is worth it. I mean, from struggle talking about a cottage to now saying, well, we're actually looking at 30 more branches. That is a success story. Mm-hmm. hope it inspires you and hope you take full advantage of all of these um, infrastructures, I should say, mm-hmm. that are made available to aid you in your quest to to make this country a better place. For me, Michael Mitsuning-Bill, it's been a good evening. Good
1: night. <laughs> that was The Law Report with Michael Mitsuning-Bill.
2: Kaya
6: FM 95.9. Rewinding.
0: Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind.
6: Visit kayafm.co.za for more.